As of Monday, all adults in Chicago became eligible for a COVID vaccine. But are there enough doses and are they being distributed equally? And as Springfield considers costly energy initiatives, ComEd bills are already on the rise. Crane senior reporter Steve Daniels joins me to talk about the latest. As is always the case with energy legislation in the state, and most states for that matter, every interest has their handout for more money, and the source of the money is always the same place. You, me, and every resident and business in this state. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Tuesday, April 20th. In these uncertain times, it's important to have people you trust by your side. When 11,000 local business owners needed a Paycheck Protection Program loan, they turned to their Wintrust banker to secure funding because that's a relationship they can count on. Businesses are navigating some of the biggest challenges they will ever face. Wintrust is here to answer their calls. They'll answer yours, too. Start the conversation at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. As Springfield considers costly energy initiatives, ComEd bills are already on the rise. And I'm joined by Crane senior reporter Steve Daniels. Okay, so Steve, talk us through what's the latest here. Well, the latest is that ComEd just filed for a rate rate hike under its uh, formula rate uh, authority, which every year their rate changes, the rate of delivering power to your home or business. Uh, $51 million, which is the first rate hike they've sought in four years. And uh, in and of itself, they said would raise bills by 20 cents a month per average, on average for the average household, which doesn't sound like very much at all. But you add that in with other things, the price of power that um, ComEd will provide to you, the power itself is going to be going up by 70 cents, the utility says, beginning in June. Uh, And then also the cost of transmitting that power from the power plant to the local grid, which is called transmission, that cost is actually going up quite a bit more than the delivery rate, which will add another 70 cents. So now you're talking about a buck 60, most of which will hit customers uh, in June. And then and on top of that, you've got a separate efficiency charge that the uh, legislature allowed ComEd and other and Ameren downstate to provide. And that, if 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 past this prologue, that will be another fifty million bucks. So, yeah, you know, you're talking about two, three bucks. And this is before we even get to all the legislation that's uh, brewing in Springfield. Yeah, and so let's go to Springfield. So, as they're considering different energy initiatives, where are those initiatives prioritized? What's kind of leading the pack there? Well, it's kind of chaos right now, and there's just a whole lot of uh, different legislative initiatives, all aimed at accomplishing the governor's goal of a 100% carbon-free power generation sector in Illinois by, you know, mid-2030s, sometime in the relative near term, which means, uh, you know, from the governor's point of view, means preserving nuclear plants that uh, Exelon, ComEd's parent company, has threatened or says it will close in the fall, two of them, without more money. And then, in addition, having a lot more uh, wind farms built, a lot more solar development uh, around the state, so that basically you've got a, a car, you know between nuclear plants and renewables, you have our our power needs covered 
and no need for coal plants, gas plants, et cetera, that emit carbon. So that's the overall overarching goal. But within that framework, there's a whole bunch of different ways to get there, all of which uh, add revenue to some degree to the utilities that are currently in Springfield's penalty box for ComEd's bribery scandal last year. Right, which we cannot forget about that. That's still a thing, still definitely a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and then kind of on that note, Pritzker had ordered an independent audit. And um, where where does that stand? Where is the latest with that? So, yeah, that, that emerged last week uh, in redacted form. Um, but we got the, the basic gist of it, which was the, the firm that he hired, Synapse, out of Cambridge, Massachusetts, he needed a firm with had done no work for utilities in the past, which is not easy to find in this in this very small world sector. Um, so they were given the books they, uh, by Exelon to the for the two nuclear plants in question, the Dresden plant and uh, the Byron station near Rockford. Uh, actually, they given the books for all the plants, and the headline was that they agreed with Exelon that Exelon needs more money to put both Dresden and Byron into the black over the next five years. It was a five-year window that they looked at. So that's, that was a big victory for Exelon in a sense because a lot of people have, uh, or observers have questioned whether, whether those plants were really losing money. The second thing, which is going to be the hard part, is how much to give them. And Synapse uh, basically said it's not that much. It's a a hundred million a year sounds like a lot, but in the context of the past bailout of Exelon, which was at two hundred and thirty five million dollars a year, um that's less than half. So uh, Exelon, I don't think is going to end up agreeing that that's enough and uh, and that and there will be a lot of discussion around that. But at the very least, it it it, it sort of underlined that, hey, they need more money, so it's just now it's just a matter of negotiation and how much. And then what is the source of that funding once that negotiation is decided? The source of almost all funding for any of this is you and me and and everybody else. This all comes out of the rates that we pay for electricity and, uh, you know, it takes the form of various surcharges and sometimes gets just embedded in the energy price you pay. But um, the the source of financing for all of this is always the same place. The bill's already going up. You know, two bucks a month for the average household doesn't sound like a lot. Average household doesn't use that much power. Uh, so for many people, it's quite a bit more than that per month. But uh, the average, uh, again, for the average household, the average bill is about 82 bucks uh, a month. And, and, you know, obviously it's higher in summertime and lower and in the fall and spring, et cetera, et cetera. So you start, you're, you're already talking about you have the 83, 84 bucks. And then... Whatever emerges from this legislation is going to add another dollar, two dollars, three dollars. It, it starts to chip away at what has been one of the state's few economic uh, benefits for businesses and homeowners, uh, which is relatively low electricity rates. That's going to be a very uh, difficult needle to thread. And what kind of timeline is attached to all of this? Uh, they need to get a bill done by the end of May. So uh, it needs to come together fast. There's, like I said before, there was a, there's an awful lot of competing proposals out there that basically lawmakers are just kind of ushering through the committee system with, uh, with the understanding that these, these will not ultimately be what, uh, what emerges. 
The governor is going to be coming out with his own bill here shortly in the next probably week or so. Uh, that will probably serve as the starting point for something major. Now, the, the, the re, there's a real question, I think, as to whether we end up with a truly comprehensive energy bill. There really isn't very much time and uh, not a lot of negotiating has, has been done on the big points. So it's quite possible we either get nothing, in which case those nuclear plants close, and that's a problem. More likely, I think we get a limited bill that, that might bail out those nukes and then allow for a little bit more renewable power development in the near term with the desire to come back to it next year. That's, that's a possibility for sure. But right now, uh, it's, it's, there's not a ton of time to work all of this out uh, and do it in a way in which lawmakers and the governor can say, we accomplished our goal on green energy, but we didn't do too much to help these uh, ComEd and Exelon who are sort of disgraced. So that's really the, the political goal. And this has been such a big priority for Pritzker, one that he's talked about so much and, and such a big part of his kind of vision for the state. It seems like there's a lot riding on what he comes up with. Absolutely, uh, uh, especially since he's lost so much on, on so many of his priorities. Uh, um, you know, you think about the, you know, the, the graduated income tax last year. You think about uh, some of the, the situations that he was put into during the lame duck by Springfield in which he... He signed bills that were adamantly opposed by the business industry um, that were not the product of any kind of negotiation or compromise of any kind. Um, he, he doesn't look strong right now politically. So this he needs a win. He needs a victory. He needs to be able, going into an election season, to be able to say, you know, I was a leader who got something done that was big. And this is a real candidate for that. Um, so I do think there will uh, an effort will be made a real effort will be made to produce something comprehensive uh, but again every as is always the case with energy legislation in the state and most states for that matter every interest has their handout for more money and the source of the money is always the same place you me and every resident and business in this state and so how will this time be different given that mike madigan's not in the picture yeah, that's a big difference because he really has been the leader in Springfield on energy issues for uh, ever since I've been covering this, and that's you know two decades, and I'm sure it's longer than that. So his absence is really noticeable, uh, just in terms of the the kind of the chaos, the the rubber stamping of legislation. He would undertake a process in the past in which I think he would there was more negotiating would be required before you'd see some sort of real course of action emerge uh, where the fine points could then be, you know, determined. Uh, we don't have that this time. And nobody's really filled that vacuum, including the governor. So um, that makes uh, all, you know, predicting what's going to happen here mu much harder than it was in, in previous times when, when the state, uh, you know, uh, co contemplated comprehensive energy legislation. Well, I'm sure we will talk again about this topic before the end of May, before all this wraps up. Thanks so much. Appreciate you talking today. Sure, absolutely. Coming up, a new Foxconn deal slashes billions from tax breaks. The agreement follows the tech giant's scaled-back plans to build a Wisconsin factory. We'll talk about that and more right after this. 
Remember, we provide a daily news brief that drops right in your inbox. It's our newsletter called The Crane's Morning 10. They're the 10 stories that will fuel a smarter workday. To subscribe, visit chicagobusiness.com slash morning 10. You're listening to Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. Chicago expanded vaccine eligibility to all adults this week as the city faces a host of challenges, including an increase in COVID cases locally, continuing racial gaps in vaccine administration and a federal pause on the one-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The city's positivity rate is 5.8% as of Monday afternoon, which is up from 5.2% the week before and is approaching what the city considers high-risk territory. The seven-day rolling case average is 733, which is up 20% from the week before and well above the 400 daily case goal the city considers moderate risk. The Chicago Department of Public Health has had to change its campaign to make up for the halt in Johnson & Johnson vaccines. Federal authorities are sending Pfizer doses to supplement United Center operations and the state is sending doses for 50,000 people from its own supply to supplement the city's direct federal stock. A.D. Quigg is reporting the story in detail for Cranes. Chicago expands vaccine eligibility to everyone 16 and up. The change comes amid an increase in cases locally, a pause on distributing Johnson & Johnson vaccines, and continued racial disparities in who is getting their shot. Overall, half of Chicago adults have gotten at least one shot so far. That tracks the national average. But so far, Black and Latinx Chicagoans haven't received vaccine doses that match their population or their share of COVID cases and deaths. Black Chicagoans make up 29% of the city and 39% of the city's total COVID-related deaths, but they've only received 19% of the total COVID vaccine doses given in Chicago so far. Latinx Chicagoans make up about 28% of the city's population and a third of the city's COVID cases and deaths, but so far they've received less than a quarter of the total doses given in the city. White Chicagoans make up a third of the city's population, but have received 40% of its total doses. City data also shows they've received the biggest share of first doses every week but one since the start of the city's vaccination campaign in December. Boeing has reportedly found potential electric flaws in two additional areas of the 737 MAX cockpit, just a week after a similar manufacturing defect prompted a temporary flying halt for recently delivered jetliners. That according to people familiar with the matter who spoke to Bloomberg. But the discovery of the new problem adds to the ongoing issues for Boeing, which is trying to engineer a smooth return for the MAX after a 20-month grounding prompted by two deadly crashes. The electrical issue potentially affects about 450 planes manufactured since early 2019, including about 90 aircraft operated by airlines, with the rest still awaiting delivery. Boeing said it's, quote, working with customers on service bulletins that will be submitted to the FAA for approval. The bulletins, they say, focus on ensuring a sufficient ground path in the flight deck of affected planes. Aviation Week reported earlier that the flaws were traced to a manufacturing change made in early 2019 that involves fasteners and a coating. United Airlines will fly three new seasonal routes to Europe as the carrier tries to capitalize on business in destinations now open to American passengers who are ready to fly internationally. On Monday, the carrier said it would begin flights in July from Newark, New Jersey to Dubrovnik, Croatia, Washington to Athens, and Chicago to Reykjavik, Iceland. The flights to Greece and Iceland will be daily, while the Croatian flight will operate three times weekly. All three will end on October 3rd. And though the carrier has never flown these routes before, 
United selected the three destinations because they allow U.S. travelers who comply with local pandemic restrictions to enter. That according to a spokesperson. Last month, Delta announced new flights to Reykjavik starting in May after the island nation said it would allow visitors who have been fully vaccinated to enter. The EU continues to have broad border restrictions to help control the spread of COVID-19 and several variants. The route additions also demonstrate how U.S. airlines are eager to get back to international travel. In March, international travel volumes remained 76 percent below 2019 levels. That according to Airlines for America, the industry's lobbying group. Foxconn Technology Group and Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers reportedly have announced an agreement that involves cutting billions of dollars in tax breaks in exchange for a smaller facility in the southeast part of the state. That according to a report from the Associated Press. Details of the new deal weren't immediately disclosed, the AP report said, but it cited a source that said the potential tax breaks for Foxconn will be cut by billions of dollars but will preserve breaks worth over $10 million. Former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker reached the original deal in 2017 with the company Company, which, according to the report, involved almost $4 billion in incentives. That deal was based on Foxconn's pledge to construct a huge $10 billion facility near the Illinois border to make flat-screen panels and that would create up to 13,000 jobs. The company, however, has continually cut back its plans for the site and didn't meet employment markers for state tax credits. According to the State Economic Development Agency, Foxconn employed 281 people in 2019 in Wisconsin. And that's Crane's Daily Gist for now. Our continuous news feed lives at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to our guest today, Steve Daniels. Be sure to subscribe to these conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your audio on demand. And find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and let's continue talking there about these and other business stories. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.